Hello and welcome to the Spiritual Underground Podcast. This is Dan coming to you from the wood shop at DTM Enterprises, my little wood shop in the backyard. So uh, I will throw start out there with, uh, please go to dtmww.net if you have any woodwork, refinishing, that kind of work you uh, want to wanna have done. Uh, got some new offerings too, so check that out. Those will be in the show notes. Uh, spiritualunderground.org is where you can find more show notes, these show notes, and links to these podcasts, and uh, also a contact me page. Uh, I welcome any feedback, anything like that you can uh, provide, uh, good or bad. I can't get better at this unless you let me know what I'm not doing good. Uh, and finally, the music that I'm wrapping around these podcasts nowadays are from a friend of mine named Darren Frank. And uh, uh, Darren's dealing with some health issues at the moment, so uh, just if you could keep him in your prayers, and it's his music, his productions that uh, that we're using at uh, Bumper Music in and out of here. Uh, as we uh, trying to look at new angles in recovery and, and different things, and I don't want to pigeonhole myself into necessarily 12-step stuff, and I'm having other people, other recovery avenues come across my path uh, that I've tried to, to that I want to explore and uh, bumped into a fellow podcaster on a podcasting uh, networking site that, that we visit and and she um, well I probably shouldn't I'll let her say what she does instead <laughs> of trying to do that for her uh, Brian uh, welcome to the spiritual underground podcast thank you thank you I'm glad to be here this yeah. is exciting yeah, I really like doing these things. Uh, I really like doing this podcasting. I don't know. Some people might say you like, I like the noise I make. So, uh, <laughs> I'd like to hear myself talk. Yeah. So, uh, and, I, and I do it pretty, pretty, pretty often. So uh, why don't we go ahead and introduce you? You do your own introduction. Tell me what you do here and what your, uh, what your mission is. Okay. So like you said, my name is Brian Zelensky. I am a life coach for women primarily who are recovering from divorce so i'm a divorce recovery life coach right and that's where i saw that recovery word and it jumped right at me as soon as i saw it as you uh were posting on the on that site yeah i i love that you reached out because i hadn't really thought about how i can fit into the recovery conversation well, the fact of the matter is the substance abuse ends up wrecking a lot of relationships. <laughs> uh, right. and, and so not right along with, and, and I watch this happen so often, and, and you know, my, my frame of reference usually is males, but there are uh, both sides of it uh, happens. It's just that that's where my familiarity is. We just have a little tradition where we don't like cross over. I don't, uh, women right. help women, men help men. It's uh, messy enough in this little uh, world to <laughs> then rather to mix up that in the middle of it. But I will right. always take uh, uh, grab a, a hand of a, a gal if, if I'm asked for help and, and introduce them to some strong women in recovery so that they can uh, have a way to it. But uh, I have friends who uh, are at the same time they're trying to recover from the substance abuse stuff. They, they're in relationship breakdowns and they're trying to also manage that at the same time, you know, so it's kind of like a double, it's a little double uh, deal on having to, two things you're trying to manage that are really uh, um, impactful to your life, trying to come off of, right. of substance you've been leaning on for a long time at the same time having potentially long-term relationships break down and uh, at some level they lose, feel like they're losing their, their, a piece of their support system. Right, right. I mean, talk about two of the, probably two of the greatest struggles that humans have, overcoming a substance abuse and going through a divorce. I think divorce is 
like no other kind of loss. It's very unique, I think, in how it wounds us. I think it's very unique in how it plays out in our lives because it's so personal and because it's so intimate. Yeah, definitely. I know that uh, when when I went, um, I had had a little period of sobriety and uh my then wife really uh was was liking that <laughs> that sobriety mm-hmm. and i slipped up and uh and i tried to hide that from her but but what she felt was that distance just come right back in and and she wasn't willing to well and i'm putting a little bit of words into her but wasn't willing to go through that again and uh so she was ready to pull the plug i got a chance to redeem myself but i got one and uh and then when 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 the relationship fell apart uh then I just couldn't hang on to any what little bit of recovery that I was trying to struggle to have. I just I just said uh, screw it and went full tilt, you know, and and started drinking hard in order to manage because I didn't I could not contain my feelings wrapped around that uh, right around that that loss that grieving process of of not having right. all of a sudden you know I was married for seventeen years and then she's gone right yeah that, and a lot of people do turn people who don't already have. Uh, substance abuse issues or aren't already relying on alcohol they often turn to that during the divorce because the grief is so deep the emotions are so deep you're dealing with so many different emotions all at the same time and that's why I say it's such a unique kind of process Uh, because there is anger involved but there's also deep, deep sadness. There's shame and regret. There's also love, you know? So I was married to an addict. So I'm, I'm in the position of your ex-wife. That was where I found myself. Now, I don't think that that was the cause of uh, the breakdown of our marriage, ultimately. It was other things. But that was a struggle throughout our eight years of marriage. Now, was uh, was he active at the beginning and the end, or was he recovering? Um, that's it's hard to say. Okay, I understand <laughs> um, that completely. Because yeah, because there was a lot of lying, you yeah. know, involved. That was that was a big that was a big part of it, but we really realized that he had a problem about, um, let's see, about six years into the marriage is when it kind of came to a head, mm-hmm. if you will. Yep. And we had sort of an explosion of our marriage, I would say. Um, but we ended up separating and reconciling which and this is all part of my story yeah is that uh in 2009 i had two we had two tiny kids i had a seven month old and a three-year-old and he was went full tilt into um alcohol and our marriage and he really he did several things that made it almost impossible for me to stay in a marriage relationship with him. So he went into recovery. He went into um, a rehab, and they discovered that he was bipolar. Hmm. 
so he got um he got sober and he started medication for that and really had a transformation it really changed who he was how he acted even the way he sounded almost it was just very different and I had to do some soul searching did I want to try again did I want to put myself and the kids back in a situation where we could be hurt again could I trust that he was really going to stay on this path or do I just cut my losses and and move on and that was the choice that I had in 2009 and I had to turn to um, my God. I, I turned to God. I turned to Jesus. I did a lot of praying. I had prayer partners. And I really needed to know, is he a wolf in sheep's clothing? Is this just an act? Or is he really changed? Is he a wolf in sheep's clothing or is he really a sheep? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I felt led by God to try again, that really he wasn't. I, I, it was very clear. I won't say that it was an audible voice, but definitely I received the message that, no, he's not a wolf in sheep's clothing. So I, I grabbed a hold of that, and I went full force to save my marriage. And so we reconciled, and I did everything I could to support his sobriety and to give him an authentic fresh start a new a new start and about a year and a half later after reconciling he blew up the marriage again <laughs> so uh, with the relapse for, that was part of it but there was also infidelity so um again the 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 addiction for him was only a part of the was only a part of the problem but that that devastation having tried so many times tried so many things reconciled honestly given him a second chance uh, which really wasn't a second chance it was like the hundredth (laughs) chance Um, and then to have him throw that away after reconciling was to say that was devastating would be a understatement right. <laughs> you know because I felt like I had really given him the best that I had right I, re- I really wasn't even sure at the time back in 2009 that I had anything to give but I really dug deep and I gave him the forgiveness I gave him the trust I gave him a clean slate and that was really the best the best of me and even to this day, that's the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And it's probably the thing I'm most proud of is how hard I tried during that reconciliation period. And so when he threw me away, when he chose someone else, it was a, um, I felt like trash. I felt like it had, I felt like it said something about me. Yeah. You know, and I took it very personally. It is personal. (laughs) You know, the one person that's supposed to love you the most, the one person who knows you best, the person that holds memories, you know, for you, it was 17 years. For me, we were together for 10 years, married for eight. The person that holds all these memories and for them to walk away, for them to decide you aren't worth 
the effort is devastating. I don't care who you are. Yeah. And and even and even yeah, and even if you're on the other side of that, even if you're the one that's deciding to leave, there is still a loss there. There is still the difficulty of of losing that relationship. So that's kind of where my journey began. My divorce recovery began. And and I think that everyone who's been divorced is in recovery. <laughs> I agree. Have to re- you have to recover from that because yeah. uh, it's a devastating loss. And so I loved that you reached out to me because it really does make sense. It really does go with what your theme is of recovery. Yeah. Well, my uh, my my sponsor and mentor has uh, has written a book and and made the twelve steps uh, opened the gate of the twelve steps. And made it available for everybody, even, you know, beyond most people believe it's only uh, useful for people who have the isms, the alcoholism, the, the gambling, the, the behavioral and, uh, and chemical dependency issues. But the tools actually work for everybody. And uh, one of the things, one of the re- definitions of recovery that I've clung to is that is I'm regaining or reclaiming something that was lost or stolen. So anytime I've like lost something, whether if it's a marriage or if it's like a, in a chemical dependency to some level, I lost my very soul. Uh, when I'm mm-hmm. when I'm in a mo- recovery mode, I'm in a mode of finding myself once again. You know, I've given away a piece of me in a way, and you can do right. that in a relationship. It's not really, you know, you come together and, and mold that, and then all of a sudden a piece of it, it's like a piece of you are, is, is missing. Uh, right. And we're also, you know, as much as I'd like to say it's an inside job and we got to feel like, you know, I, I, it's all on me. Right. And it is at some level. I still am on this hunt for validation. And one of the things that I'm looking for is the validation. I'm lovable. Right. And then when I have a partner, right. then I have that validation day to day to day that I'm worthwhile of somebody's love. And then all of a sudden it's gone. And, and I start questioning that kind of thing yeah, as solid as I could be. I don't know that any human could not like uh, start kind of going down in that pit about, you know, the despair of like, you know, will I ever be right. with somebody again? Uh, how do I start over from here? You know, not to mention the entire uh, the entire fiasco that comes along, you know, the the, the, the logistical end of yes. the divorce, you know, of who's <laughs> going to get the stuff, the dog, the house, the yes. 401ks, the all that kind of stuff, too, that you got yeah. to saddled with. <laughs> yes. Yes. I remember being so frustrated by Apple iTunes because we shared apps we shared an apple itunes account yeah. and so i mean that's a ridiculous example no it's but that's exactly how, right <laughs> yeah but that's how nitty-gritty down into your everyday life it goes you know and yeah that, that's that's funny and so you know what you just talked about about validation that's a lot of what i do now as a life coach is that i talk about mindset and I can kind of go into that a little bit more sure. later, but but really the story for me, my story, while it began in 2009 with the reconciliation and then 2011 with the separation and the divorce, was I, I was on a journey of sort of redemption, if you would, restoration. Yeah. And there's a there's a verse in Ecclesiastes that it's Ecclesiastes 3.11, and it says, For God has made all things beautiful in its time. So that really resonated with me. In fact, 
when I got married, remarried three years ago. That was on our programs. That was sort of the theme of my wedding because my story and who I am today was ugly in 2011, in 2012. It wasn't a pretty story. I was broken and I was sad and I was damaged. And the same is true for my husband. You know, he had a really hard divorce as well. Hmm. And, and seeing the journey, seeing how God took our hurt and our pain and the, the worst moments of our lives, the worst experience, and he brought us to where we are now, he made that beautiful because right. I wouldn't have my husband now if he hadn't gone through his hurt and his pain and he wouldn't have me if I hadn't gone through my hurt and pain. And so that's really what I want my message to be for everyone out there, whether you're a believer or you're not, or you're not really sure. God does make everything beautiful. He can make everything beautiful, even the worst parts of us, the, the, the worst experiences, the saddest moments can be transformed. So... I would never, you know, That's what I've the message learned. Is, I want yeah, to, I want to get out to everyone. <laughs> yeah, then uh, the the I also hear what that is is that there's always hope. You know, there's there's uh, don't ever give up hope. Uh, that that you know, higher power, God, whatever you want to call it. In my world, you know, we have our own conception of a higher power kind of thing. So I kind of stay on that uh, on that path there. Um, that that things are we are redeemable. And, and, and if we just keep on, we always say, we have a friend in our thing says we just have to keep taking, it's the next right stitch, the next stitch in the, in the pattern. It's not my, uh, the entire tapestry is not my mind to create. That is God's. Right. Uh, yeah. What I need to do is take the next right stitch, whatever is in front of me and keep on doing that. It's all, a, it's all a, it's all a variation of living in the now, you know, keep living where my feet are at. Uh, yes. And that's that reminds me i'm sure most people have heard this before but it's like a tapestry if you if you look at the front of the tapestry it, it's a beautiful it, it's got it's wonderful colors and there can be intricate details but when you flip it over to the back side it's a jumbled mess of strings that yes. don't make any sense it doesn't show anything at all you would think oh my gosh there's no way that could be beautiful yeah the same thing is true for our lives you know, when you look at the backside and you see the pain and the hurt and the suffering and our failings and and all that, it looks like, well, there's no way that could be beautiful. But when you flip it over at the end of our lives, there is something beautiful there. There is something beautiful that can come out of it, whether it's helping somebody else or whatever that might look like. It can all be made beautiful. Yeah, and I think we tend to uh, we tend to kind of want to live on the backside of that tapestry, and that's yeah, the view that we, we look at most of the time. Like everything is a wreck. How is this? Oh my, the things are so awful. Uh, yeah, there's, no, there's no way I can undo that mess right there. <laughs> right, right, and I think we're so much harder on ourselves than than other people. In fact, it's so funny. Um, just this morning, I recorded a podcast with. A friend of mine she's also a life coach so my side gig is a podcast that I have called the happy mama village and it's for moms it's got good resources tips encouragement we talk about different topics each week so we were recording an episode this morning on self-image hmm. 
And several years ago, the Dove Beauty Products, the company, they came out with their Real Beauty campaign. And they were going to start using real people instead of using models. So in preparing for that episode, I was watching some of the commercials that they've had. And one of them was uh, with a sketch artist that the police used to do composite sketches of criminals. So they, they invited him to come and draw some pictures of some women. And the women had spent the morning with each other, getting to know one another. And then one woman had to describe another woman to the sketch artist. And then later, the women had to describe themselves to the sketch artist. And at the end of the commercial, you get to see the two versions. One version that the women describing themselves and the other is the stranger describing them. And it was amazing that the stranger's version was closer to reality, was yeah. closer to the truth than the own woman's description of herself. And I was like, wow, that's crazy that the way we see ourselves, whether it's our physical appearance or it's our emotional well-being or it's how successful we are, we're all we're, we're so much harder on ourselves than than other people. Yeah. And I think that also goes into why, uh, for me, and like in a life coach, uh, same kind of, you know, my, my sponsor is somewhat plays that role for me uh, as a mentor and a coach. Uh, I can't really see me very well. I have a very biased opinion of the, the, my thoughts and my ideas and different things. And when I run that by somebody else, he can tell me whether if I'm crazy or if it sounds like it's something that's okay. He sees me better than I see me. And I can be running right. off the rails onto some kind of thing where uh, in a potential avenue that maybe it's going to cause some pain or some hurt. And those kind of things are what can cause people to relapse uh, that he can, if I, as long as I can stay open and honest with him, he can, uh, he can paint the correct picture of me, <laughs> so to yeah. speak, using your analogy there of, uh, of what I really look like. Cause I can't, I, I just frankly can't see me very well. Right. No. And that's true, I think, for all of us. And that's exactly what a life coach does. Uh, a large part of, of what I do with my clients is, is mindset, is we look at, okay, what's happening right, right now? What, what are you struggling with right now? And how can you, you can't necessarily change the circumstances because circumstances are what they are. You know, we only have we can only have control over certain things, yep. but we can change our thoughts about those circumstances because thoughts are what lead to feelings, not the circumstance. Yeah. You know, yep. and, and it's, it's the way that we interpret those circumstances. It's, it's the way that we think about them that, that affect our, our feelings. So if you can change the thought, you can change the feeling and, and the feeling changes your actions and then your actions change the result. So, you know, that process of, of changing the way that we think, looking at a situation with kind of a different pair of glasses, right. is, that is that is life coaching. Yeah. You know? you know, there's a there's a big there's a big, huge recovery book from a recovery giant called A New Pair of Glasses. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, by Chuck Chuck C. Chuck Chamberlain. It's actually it probably I imagine the the premise of it because I keep on looking at these. Uh, you know, I'm I'm invested in the twelve step philosophy of recovery, and I keep hearing things that are just so much parallel. It's like a so you're speaking my language exactly, but you're using different words. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you'll cross over and you'll use some of the same words. Like you said that, you know, when you said it's like looking through things in a, in a, with a new pair, with a different pair of glasses or with a, you know, it's instantly comes home to roost as, as exactly the same path and the same tools that, that we use in our program of what you're delivering. It's interesting that these, uh, that these things are universal, but it's like, yeah. um, it's kind of like, uh, and I guess it kind of would go like this. You know, if you spoke Spanish, I'm not going to be able to deliver this message to you in English. And it's not so much that it's different, but maybe somebody just from their upbringing and their culture and where they grew up and maybe the impact of whatever the they're going through at the moment, the language resonates with them better. Uh, and and you, you obviously have a way to, to deliver that to your uh, to your niche, your your people in a, in a way where if, I, if you deliver that same thing to 12 step people, they wouldn't understand and vice versa. Right. Yeah, and I, I, that's what I'm loving about being a life coach versus therapy, which I, I love therapy. I think therapy is great. I uh -huh. think therapy is necessary, but life coaching is very different in that we meet our clients in their world. You know, we meet them where they are. We yeah. don't, uh, I, I don't necessarily always have my clients in an office environment. You know, I can meet them at their house. I can meet them at a coffee shop. I can meet them at a park. I can join them uh, at court when they, when they have a court hearing. Mm -hmm. I can be in their life with them as a coach. I mean, as a literal coach. You know, if you've ever played sports, you know, you every team needs a coach. That You need somebody who can see the bigger picture. You need somebody who's been there before. Yeah, you need that's somebody exactly... Yeah, you need somebody who has some tips, which is that's exactly what your sponsors do. Right. Yeah, I always like look you. at this lineage of people, and I and the reason you can do that is because you've walked in those, you've walked that path before. Yes. And you can share that with them because the other thing, if you haven't done it before, let's say you're going to come and teach me how to play baseball, but you've never played baseball. I'm not going right. to buy your baseball. I'm not <laughs> going to, right. but, and so it's the same thing when a guy has, or a person, I'll use, you know, I'm, I'm male oriented. When a guy has uh, recovered from this disease of alcoholism and he's telling me how he did it, well, then I listen to him, you know, because he tells me the story of how, what he went through and he shares his experience and what happened to him with me. And therefore I can, I can follow along. It's like a line of people carrying lanterns, you know, uh, where, you know, we, we, we grab somebody and we hold a lantern and show them the path because we have been on the path before. Right, right. And that's and that's how I differ from, from therapy because a right. therapist may or may not have been through a divorce. They right. may or may not have been through recovery. And that's not to say they don't have things to offer. They do. Um, they have an important role. But the role of a life coach is is different. And, right. and I think it's more impactful because it's their in 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 your life with you yeah 
You know, in yeah. our circles, we actually become, I mean, in, in my lineage, we kind of like call it that sponsorship lineage. There's a lot of different ways to do this stuff. But mine, well, I become friends with my sponsor. My first sponsor is like my best friend in this sense. But he can like change his hat. He can like, he like has these two hats, his friend hat and his sponsor hat. So he'll, and he will even use that language. He'll say, okay, I got to put my sponsor hat on for a second because he'll hear right. me say something or hear me go somewhere. And then same thing with my sponsees. I've become friends with these guys or some of my best friends or some of my most, uh, my confidants, my people who when something is going, uh, I'm having a bad day or something happens, it's the kind of trying to wreck my serenity. One of our tools is to share it with somebody else. I got to dump that negative energy on somebody safe and somebody able to handle it, too, that knows what to do with it. And in our lineage, we have that 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 chain of people who we're able to do that with. Uh, we don't have to sit on the yuck. You know, we can. Right. Uh, yeah. And and that's how, you know, when going through a divorce is isn't is there any better time to have somebody like that right. to have somebody showing you the way somebody who's been there somebody that can uh, empathize with you somebody who can give you some advice like hey yeah i know how you're feeling because i've been there and you know try this here's here's a tip um because divorce is such an overwhelming process here's the thing here's the deal with divorce you're making the biggest decisions of your life because you're deciding you know uh possession of the kids you're deciding about houses and 401ks you're you're making the biggest decisions of your entire life at a time when you are absolutely devastated when when you're at your absolute worst yeah you know and so it's no wonder that the divorce court system is so flawed is because the people going through it are so flawed i mean the people who are going through it are such a mess they're ripe for being taken advantage of right yeah um and 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 there doesn't seem to be a system in place to help those people going through divorce one because it's so common you know i think people tend to to um underestimate just how devastating it is like oh you know the it's just a divorce you know it happens all the time it does but you've got people who are really hurting really hurting yeah you know and it's not and it's not a situation that is resolved overnight it takes a while yeah it is it's a long-term uh it's a long-term thing i know it was years before i actually felt like i was back on my feet uh again after that yeah and i leaned on all kinds of things to try to make me feel better new relationships that really weren't right uh what i probably needed um and of course my I, i started looking for relief in the bottle again right Right. So, so I like to, to, to compare it to a road trip. You know, divorce is not, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And, and it's, and it's a journey. It's going to, it's going to take you, it's going to take you a while to, to get through it. So life, you know, divorce is a marathon. It's it's not a sprint. 
Uh, it's gonna it's gonna be a journey to get through divorce. It's a it's like a cross country road trip. It's not a quick trip down the street to get a coffee, <laughs> you know. And the questions you've got to ask yourself are, who's driving? Who's along for the ride? Where do you want to end up? And those are the questions you have to ask yourself at the beginning of any road trip, right? Yeah. And it's the same with divorce. So the first one, where where are you going? You know, I'm not going to just magically end up in the beautiful sandy beaches of Key West without a plan. Right. If I don't have a if I don't have a plan, a map, or the proper motivation to get there, I'm not going to end up there. You know. Um, I'm going to easily end up somewhere entirely different. I'm most likely going to end up somewhere I don't want to be, but I'll for sure not end up in Key West. Um, so knowing where you want to end up is the only way to get there. And it's so critical that even in the in the midst of divorce fog, which is what I like to call it, yeah. <laughs> the fog of divorce. Yeah, I can I can relate to that. <laughs> you must take the time to find out where do you want to go? Who do you want to be at the end of the process? Hmm. Um, what do you want your new life to look like? That was certainly probably a missing link in my path because I probably yeah. didn't give any thought to where I was going. I just wanted the current thing to be over. <laughs> yeah, and just to survive. I mean, people yeah. are definitely in survival mode. Yeah, I want the know? current. I want the pain I'm in right now to stop. That's what I'm after. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, asking yourself what what is the life that you want, and how can I create it? How can you turn the yuck into something beautiful? So. Knowing where you want to go is the first the first key. Key number two, um, you know, having having a destination in mind is key number one. Then knowing how you're going to get there is definitely key number two. <laughs> um, I could I could definitely get to Key West without a map. You know, I could just kind of head in that direction from from Dallas, Texas. You know, I could just wing it and, and drive in that general direction and I'd most likely get there eventually, but I'd get lost several times along the way. You know, the trip would take twice as long. I'd be frustrated and, and worn out <laughs> by the yeah. time I finally arrived. And it's the same with divorce. You know, you may end up eventually where you want to go, but wouldn't it be easier if you had a plan to start with right yeah it's gonna definitely. make it a it's gonna make it a thousand times easier if you have a map yeah you know you can't hit what you're not aiming at <laughs> exactly exactly so you need to have a roadmap and whether that's a therapist a life coach um you, you, you've got to find your own personal roadmap. And so, you know, for, for you in recovery, that's been uh, AA, right? That's been recovery yep. and the 12-step plan. So in, in divorce, there's unfortunately, there's not a 12-step plan for divorce. Maybe I should make one. Um, maybe that's what I should do. Um, 
Okay, so the next step would be to find out who's who's driving, right? And it, this seems like a no-brainer. But the truth is that there are lots and lots of divorced people out there that are not driving their own buses. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, they are curled up in the fetal position somewhere in the back seat. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, I get um, that. Yeah, or or they're hanging out the sunroof, you know, flashing their tatas at the passing trucks and they're having a great old time. You yeah. know, they're the people who run towards, um, you know, dating, um, sex, alcohol, drugs. There are those people who are trying to numb yep. the pain, numb the feelings. And then there are, you know, another set of people who are just curled up and, and can't uh, and, and just, just can't. Yeah, fully absorbing yeah. all the pain and just writhing yes. in it, wallowing in it. Right. So, so who is driving your bus? Good point. Okay. Is it, is it your ex? Is your ex actually driving your bus? Is it your guilt that's driving your bus? Is Mm. it the, you ought to police, you ought to have done this. You ought to have done that, which is regret, you know, is regret driving the bus. Uh, One thing I know for sure is that your anger and your bitterness should not be in the driver's seat, right? Right. (laughs) Because if they are, you're going to end up where you don't want to go. Right. They're not going to lead you anywhere good. I mean, in divorce in particular, you can't go on this road trip without them. (laughs) Anger and bitterness are going to be in the or they're going to be in the car. They're going to right. be in the bus with yeah. you. You know, there's no two ways around that. But you definitely don't want them in the driver's seat because you're going to make decisions for your life that aren't going to be um, productive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in, in um, 12-step recovery, we use one word for that. And, and it does wrap up a pretty big, it's got a broad definition past what the single word is, but it's resentment. Is what mm-hmm. we say, you know, so that's the anger, the bitterness, the it's the stuff that's going to cause me to react to things uh, more in times than not in 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 and in in not in a healthy manner. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Off of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be reacting off my emotions. Yeah, it, it's not going to serve you. Nope. You know, and 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 that was a decision I made very early on in my divorce process is I do not want to be a bitter woman. Mm hmm. You know, and I know that there are bitter men out there as well. They're very yep. jaded. Yep. Um, and, and I did not want to be that. I did not want to lose my softer side, you know, which is a risk. Yeah. There are, um, it's easy to let that hardness overtake you and let that hardness become who you are when right. in reality it's really not you used it you used that hardness as armor when you needed it yeah but at some point you've got to take that armor off and return back to your soft self you know right. yeah to, to who god made you so do you okay, listen to so, Brene brown a bit I do sometimes a little okay, bit. I right. like her. I like what she has to say. Yeah, some of that that she's talking. Some of the some of the same kind of language of what she was saying. The hard. You need your hard back at times, but I also got to maintain my soft front. Yeah. Okay. I love that. I hadn't heard that. I like that yeah, a lot. Hope. I. 
I listen to her quite I, a bit. I go in rabbit okay. holes with certain speakers once in a while, or certain <laughs> certain teachers is the way I look at it. And, yeah. uh, and when it, when it's uh, my higher power kind of tells me, taps me on the shoulder and says, listen to that person for a little while, and I will do that. And I soaked yeah. up a lot of uh, what Brene Brown has had to say. Yeah, she's, she's fantastic. Uh, I actually did a blog post on armor, and it's called Put Your Sword Away. It's time uh, to put your sword away. That's cool. And it, it's about setting aside your anger. You know, yeah. it's it's about taking that off and not letting that become who you are. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So back back to our little divorce road trip. <laughs> if 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 we decided that our ex shouldn't be driving the bus and anger and resentment and guilt shouldn't be driving, then then who is who is going to be in the driver's seat? Um, is it is it Jesus? Uh, I'm all for Jesus taking the will, as they say. Um, but for Jesus to take the will, for your higher power to take the will, somebody still has to be in the driver's seat. Your butt still has to be in the driver's seat. Um, if you want to end up in Key West, you can't just simply be a passenger, yeah. right? Right. Yep. <laughs> uh, and besides, the driver gets the best views anyways. <laughs> uh, so embrace that. Embrace being the driver. Choose to be the driver. Don't be a passenger. Don't be, um, don't give that control to somebody else. Yeah, it's an odd dynamic thing, this balance point between this, like this surrender kind of thing where to my higher power, I have to like let go the wheel, but yet I still am responsible for the actions down here, you know, that I still have yeah. to be a friend of mine in some line I use quite often as a friend of mine told me, and, and people probably get tired of me saying it, but I say it all the time, is that he told me that you must participate in your own recovery, which, you know, you yes. can't just lay back and let this uh, passively happen. It's not going to come to me through osmosis or hanging around people who also have done it. But right. there's also the thing where in our world, there is a thing of surrender where I have to actually let this stuff go to something else. I have to turn it over to that in some con in some real vague conceptual way that, that I wish I could understand better. <laughs> I just know it works. <laughs> and I hear you saying that, too. Somehow or another, I have to turn this over to this higher power, Jesus, whatever it is. But at the same time, I have to continue to keep to to, to play an active role in my life. Right. Right, right. No, for sure. And it's a fine line. Yeah, it, it really is. It's a it's a fine line because it's, it's easy during the divorce process to want to throw your hands up and let life happen to you. Yeah. You know, yep. but there's no better time. There's no more important time to take the active role and to, like you said, participate participate in your own divorce recovery <laughs> yeah yeah you, you know? must participate in it so uh so the next question in that series is in that road trip is, is who's coming with you mm. who's coming with you on this road trip if you have kids then i highly recommend you take them along <laughs> uh right yes <laughs> uh nobody wants to be that person nobody should want to be that person who leaves their kids behind um, so let's assume that your kids are coming. Uh, you've got to put them in a seat in, in the car. You have to decide where they're going to be. And uh, they absolutely, absolutely cannot be in the driver's seat. 
they cannot be the ones driving all your decisions. You are the parent. This is your life. Um, yes, it's it's also a portion of their life, um, but but they can't be driving. You know, they they belong in the car seat in a restraint with limited visibility. <laughs> you know. Uh, Give them a juice box, give them some goldfish, turn on a movie so they don't have to view every little bump in the road. Yeah. Right? Yep. Uh, so, you know, if, if you're going to, if, if you need help on this, this journey, um, you, can, you can bring friends and family along with you. Um, you know, maybe they're right up there in, in the front with you, helping you navigate, but, but maybe they shouldn't be. You know, you need to take a close look at who you're surrounding yourself with. Um, should they maybe be in the car following you? <laughs> so, so that if you have a flat tire, if you have a breakdown, they're, they're there to help you, but they're not right there being a backseat driver. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's a, you know, another one of those vague kind of concepts where we need the support, but then again, we got to make sure they're not necessarily driving us. <laughs> right. And, I mean, and our friends and family will tend to want to do that. You know, they'll kind of, you know, sure. and I, as, as, so in the same respect, like as this mentor sponsorship role, at times I have to restrain myself from becoming like this guy's decision maker or that kind of thing, because that's not what I want to be. I'm not taking them on to, to do that, but I'm there as a, as a support role and as an advisor and a, and a, yes. more importantly, more times than not, maybe just an ear to listen and somebody to know that, yeah, I've got somebody beside me. Right. I mean, friends and family, they, they mean well, they, they love us, you know, Yep. and they, they can be, um, they can be full of love and support and that can be life saving. That can be life giving, but let's not forget that they don't, they're not the ones that have to live with the result. They're not the ones that have to live your life. You do. Yep, and they're also you know? quite a bit biased towards us too. You know? <laughs> that's that's true. You know, they may not always understand why we need to make certain decisions. Yeah. Or or why we need to make certain compromises because they are so biased. Of course, they want the best for us, and they're going to take our side. But in compromise in life, there are compromises. In divorce, there have to be compromises. Yeah. So. You know, absolutely listen and heed wise counsel. I love wise counsel. I think that's important. But also make sure that you're arming yourself with a mapping system. <laughs> you know, like yep. that that you that you've got some other means of support that maybe aren't quite so biased. You know, because you need you you don't need yes men around you right really yeah. in any kind of in any kind of recovery whether it's a divorce recovery or a substance abuse you know alcohol recovery right well we say one of the things the phrases we say is when and uh my podcast is generally an explicit podcast because we uh kind of follow that direction a little bit but we say co-signing our baloney uh, somebody's okay. <laughs> telling me that, you know, I, I will tell, I will, I will, I will feed you something that I want to do. And this is what I want to do. And you will sign off on it just because you're my friend. Yes. And when you're sitting there going, yeah, I don't think that's the best plan, but yeah, our friends will tend to co-sign off on our ideas. Yes. And that's, that's so true. And that really is what we want 
from our friends and our family. Yeah, right. It's yeah. what we want. Yeah. It's what we expect because we get our, you know, panties in a bunch sometimes when they don't co-sign that yeah, bullshit or right. whatever. Yeah, the... there you go. That's what we normally <laughs> will say is yeah, we get people um, to co-sign our bullshit. Yeah, and that's really what we want, but it's not what we need. Yeah. It really is not what we need probably ever <laughs> but especially when we're talking about these real um hard life struggles like divorce or addiction recovery yeah. is, is we need somebody there that's gonna not be yes man that's gonna tell us the hard truth and and that's that's also that's a lot of what i do is i i tell the hard truth i'm not there to be your mom Right. You know, I, yeah. I'm, I'm there to encourage you. I want to be encouraging, yeah. but not at the expense of the truth. Yeah, that's what I was, that was another phrase I was going to use when, I was, when I'm sponsoring a guy. I did not sign up to raise you. Yeah. Uh, that is not <laughs> what I'm doing here. <laughs> yeah. So, so that, that's kind of, that, that's a little bit of the process. Yeah. So um, we got, you said, who were taken with us. Was was the last or was the most recent piece of the, the 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 steps here that you had outlined? What was? So the the first one is you know where are you going? Uh huh. The second one is how are you going to get there? Right. Number three is who's driving, and four is who's coming with you. Yeah. So, uh, and and that's where you know we talked about the kids and the family and friends and. And, and ultimately, it's fine to bring people with you. you you're going to need that. You're going to need that support. But you, you need to make sure that you've got some people who aren't going to co-sign your bullshit. Right. Some people that are going to so. have a little bit more uh, um, objective views on things. Right. Right. So. And I suppose a lawyer would be part of that taken with me thing most of the time sure right absolutely you're gonna probably need an attorney which you know i have a list of resources where i help my clients you know find an attorney that's a good fit for them yeah. i think that in fact i also work with some attorneys on a uh, retainer type basis so i help them with their clients mm. um and i think that's going to be become more and more popular yeah because it's really so. going yeah it's gonna it's gonna cut down on the cost for the client yeah uh because you know his time or her time the attorney's time is much more expensive than my time <laughs> right yeah you end up with a you know maybe you're using your attorney for that ear and that's yes. a mighty expensive ear and it also, is a mighty expensive ear. that person is not really invested in that either necessarily you know i mean i understand right. but they're not you're that's not the role your lawyer's playing exactly that's not their role and while yes i'm sure they want what's best for you yeah it's it's just a different kind of best yeah kind of <laughs> gets know? to that old that other thing that it takes a village thing you know it's uh yeah, there's different roles here. Not everybody's going to play the, you know, not nobody is so well-rounded to play them all. Right. The same right. thing I need in my recovery. You know, I have different people. I have these uh, uh, different people in my life that have different uh, personalities. Actually, where they actually can help me in certain things, where another one maybe can't help me with that. Right. Yeah. So it, it does take a village, and uh, again, I think a therapist is is necessary sometimes uh -huh. it's good um 
but but I think a life coach oh, that is what I like about being a life coach is that it's it's more personal and that yeah. I can be um, a cheerleader I can be um, right there with them helping them make the decisions that need to be made right there in the moment you don't have to wait a week <laughs> until your next appointment to come right. in you can yeah. you can text me like hey I'm struggling this morning yeah you know and, and I give my clients homework to do like hey this week we're gonna work on your mindset or this week we're gonna work on uh me- meditation yeah i had is... a client recently I had a client recently who she could not stand to be alone mm. so it was really making her uh make poor decisions you know uh she was kind of filling that void with other relationships men attention from men instead of spending some time alone getting to know herself you know and and so meditation was a key for her because she needed to practice being alone and just loving on herself so i I give my clients different homework depending on kind of what they need when they need it that's the way i sponsor too you know when i'm actually actively taking a guy through the steps he has assignments week to week that i'm expecting him to complete and and it's some of it is actually step work you know meditation is a huge part of our life too and you see that becoming more mainstream you know a few years ago i would have not known what meditation was (laughs) uh today i have a daily practice and as a matter of fact i'm uh chairing a meeting tonight that is dedicated to meditation we do a 15 minute meditation and it's an hour-long meeting and we're gonna share on our meditation experience uh after the meditation yeah and and medic Meditation can look like many different things. Yep. Like, you know, growing up, you know, meditation was very Buddhist, sitting with your legs crossed, fingers touching, humming. Chanting Om. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's what meditation was when I was growing up, you know. But, but now I'm learning that, you know, meditation can be praying. Yep. It can be simply and this is interesting i want to hear what you think about this meditation can also be role playing so role playing a positive experience so let's say for example that you have uh, an an interview coming up or you have a a court hearing or maybe it's a birthday party for so for divorced people let's put it in that context you're going to have a school program or a birthday party something where you're going to run into your ex and you've got a lot of anxiety about that because you don't like being in the same space, you know, for whatever reason. You can use your meditation to role play that event in your mind and mm-hmm. how you're going to respond, how you're going to hold yourself, how you're going to speak. And it's, it's, it's very similar to what athletes do prior to a big game. They visualize themselves making their shots they visualize themselves running a certain play uh and it's just using that method in everyday life so that can be meditation as well don't you think i do believe that yeah i'm kind of i'm 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 running that through uh i find like i kind of uh lately landed on this uh 
you know, we do this thing in our arena, things called our own conception of a higher power, right? Well, I also look at that in a lot of other angles because, like, what is your conception of meditation? You know, you get to have your own conception of that, and it doesn't have right. to be one either. Who says it has to be limited to one? Yeah. Uh, I've never really thought because so, because I do kind of pigeonhole myself into more of a of meditation being something more of a uh, passive shutting down kind of you know quiet reflective time, mm-hmm. uh, but I could certainly see it being a mo- being something more active. Uh, I look at Mike. I'm a woodworker. It's kind of my passion, really under under everything is to to build things out of wood. I look at my woodworking as like meditation, and it's certainly not passive, right? I'm actually actively doing something. So if I'm role playing some thoughts in my in my mind, uh, I, I I certainly would be open to considering that being uh, meditative. Yeah, I think another great form of meditation is writing down gratitudes. Yeah, you know, making a list of things that you're thankful for. That's a huge piece of uh, recovery too. Uh, we kind of went through a little thing the other day about I just run into an article about ten things to do in your to learn ten skills you'll want in your first year, and one of them is to be able to uh, come up with gratitude lists of the things. That's that are awesome. Going good in your I, you life. know, the more we talk, the more I'm thinking I need to do more research into the twelve steps and see if I can actually apply those twelve steps to divorce recovery. Yeah, uh, you know. I really do feel like it's some concrete, simple instructions and tools that helps you process some things. And I can't even tell you how it actually works. I have no idea, but I just know it, that it does. I've watched people in my own life be impacted just because of using these tools. Uh, and, you know, who cannot have a toolbox that's over full, right? Right. I suppose, right. you know, and I, and I almost second guess that to some extent because, you know, you do need to kind of have a certain um, baseline thing, you know, kind of like the jack of all trades, the master of none or whatever. Right. Uh, but that does work. Uh, is because the, the real the real crux of 12 step recovery are two parts of the steps is uh, step uh four of actually doing an inventory on your life and that's where you actually look and see what the patterns are and why you act and why you respond in certain ways uh to Mm -hmm. certain stimuli and you do that you can find that out with a good mentor and doing a four step which is that inventory process of writing down uh these certain things we look at resentments fears and um and what what we've done in our sex conduct because it does seem to be one that's so uh impactful um and then we do that by then we take that list and we do a thing where we share with another person. So then we are able to take this stuff that we said we were going to take to the grave. I'll never tell anybody these thoughts. And we actually share them with somebody. Those that little piece of it, the four and five and the eight and nine of where we're uh, going out and making amends to people we've harmed. Mm-hmm. So we're cleaning our side of the street. You know, the people who we when we see them at the other end of the grocery line, we can't you know, we want to we want to yeah. leave the store. Uh, <laughs> right. uh, and getting those things cleaned up and uh and then also in my lineage we've actually went around and been taught to go out and thank the people who've had a positive impact in your life so not only am i going out to make things right with the people who uh who i might have harmed i'm also going out and uh and doing what we call good amends where i'm going out and thanking my first boss for teaching me a certain Aww. trait or i'm going to go talk to a teacher or a professor at a college or Heck, you do it with your parents and whoever else, you know, so then you also put some good, I think, you know, I'm a real fan of like what I put out in the universe comes back to me. 
Yeah, that's so, so great. I, I never, I wanna, I've I wanna, never heard that. Yeah, and that's actually something that's a little different. And uh, like I said, my sponsor has written that twelve steps. It's like a, it's a master's level kind of discourse on the steps. The steps are a little bit like tribal knowledge. Uh, it comes out of Bill Wilson's Alcoholics Anonymous book, but, but, but the whole time when my sponsor was taking me through the steps, I'm looking and reading this book, and I'm going, "This, is, what you're telling me is not in here," you know, because I'm real <laughs> literal, you know. I want to see some instructions, right. and uh, and that's what he, that's what my sponsor took on, and it's actually a daunting tax task to to go through and like try to document that specific uh, way of doing it, and that that good amends is part of it, and that won't be found if you just look at the concrete twelve steps. Uh, they've been around for 85 years now, and they've. Uh, another thing I like to say is, uh, if I was going to have a surgery, I would hope that my surgeon had read a book newer than 85 years old. <laughs> and so there's, there's the concepts have come forward. And the other thing is, is the language is very dated in the original 12-step book in the Alcoholics Anonymous book. It's it's 30s language, which you know is uh, frankly you know I have enough. Um, you know I want to reject a lot of help. There's a thing in us uh, that, you know, that the, the, the same thing of when you walk up and ask somebody how they are, they're going to tell you they're fine, they're okay. They could be like walking away from divorce proceedings, right? Right. And then and, and you bump into them and say, how are you? And they go, oh, I'm fine. Oh, yeah. I'm great. It's the same concept. So whenever I have that like that, I can use that language and that dated uh, language in that book to, to say, well, that won't work for me because that's old stuff. You know, I'm okay. Right. I don't need it. But yeah, uh, I would invite, you know, and, you know, uh, invite you to look at those tools, you know, uh, and I'm listening to you too on, in, in, in the things you're saying, you know, I'm, I'm very interested in how to make my toolbox more impactful because my desire today is to help people. That's really what, uh, 12 step recovery has taught me that, that, that now today, my, uh, my priority, my primary purpose in life today is to help other people. Everything else just comes yeah. alongside that. When I'm doing that work, everything else is working out for me. Right. Well, that's exactly why I switched careers and got into life coaching is I had done real estate for 10 years and uh, I, I liked it. I, I felt like I was pretty good at it, but I wasn't, I didn't really feel like I was giving back. Yes, I helped my clients. Yes, I helped them achieve their goals. But it wasn't on an everlasting level like what I like what I yearned for. You know, I wanted to feel like, hey, I've I've gone through this process. I've recovered from it. I've rebuilt rebuilt my life. And I want others to do the same thing. I want to pass on the tools that I've learned. I want to give back because I want everybody to be able to, to see the beauty. You know, I want them to have the life to be made beautiful. Yeah. And so that's really why I, I chose to do this. You know, and the name of my, my business is Rebuilding with Brian. It's rebuildingwithbrian.com. So, uh, and that's exactly what it is. You have to rebuild. You've got to start from the scratch and you get, you get to choose. You get to decide what you want, who you want to be, how you want to be. And, and that's the process. That, that's the divorce process, the divorce recovery process. 
Yeah. So you get to, you know, and so that's rebirth. That's like a rebirth. It's like a, we get to reinvent yourself. You get to like, and, yeah. and that's a, that's a age old, um, uh, philosophy of almost all the spiritual teachings that, that you hit these spots that are, uh, that are maybe to use my language or bottoms in your life. You know, you've, you're in the valley, you know, that's another mm-hmm. biblical reference, you know, of being in the valley, you know, you're in the low spot of life or whatever it is. And, and we know it's going to happen. It's like Buddha saying that life contains suffering, you know, and there's those things, those low spots are going to happen. Uh, 12 step philosophy says life's, uh, trials and low spots. It's a matter of, you know, what are you going to do to survive those things? So we get these opportunities, and, and what always happens is you come off of that, then you have this opportunity to grow and rebuild in, in new directions. Uh, like you had said, that, you know, you'll have to, I'm not as good as quoting those things. I can quote some other things pretty well, but the Bible <laughs> is not one of the ones, although I do take a lot of, uh, I'm seeing where, I had a little resentment against it for a while, and that's something you find in 12-step recovery, it seems like, and, and that's and I, see, and I keep on bouncing because that's where my, my, my frame of reference is. Uh, people have um, had bad experiences in church or whatever, or they perceived, yeah. a little bit ago you were talking about mindset, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And about how I, my perception around things, right? How I, what I think about something is not necessarily how it is. <laughs> right. And uh, right. so I changed my perception, my mindset to things, and, and that's happening. But our mindset, so a lot of us have become jaded over something that's happened in a in a church setting. Right. And, and no, we reject that now, you know, and and we would reject it completely out of hand, you know. And I always think about like playing a card, you know. I got this card in my wallet, and and when you're going to come throw uh, spiritual teachings at me, I'm gonna get the little card out and show you why I can't accept that you know <laughs> see when I was a kid this preacher did this or when right. when my mom was disowned from the church when she got divorced so therefore you know so I would throw the baby right. out with the bathwater over some particular human really things not the spiritual right. nature and uh, so now I'll come back and now with an open mind again I can look at things biblically and accept those premises today where at one point I couldn't do it and I laugh at myself now because it's kind of a little comical that I was so jaded and couldn't accept these perfectly good premises uh, right. uh, over really silly stuff um, so yeah God's going to make things beautiful and that's the same thing the worst low spots in my life are actually if I can if if if, if it tend for I uh, speak from my experience the lowest things in my life, the worst spots I've been in have actually turned out to be the most beautiful. They're the ones that have actually gotten me the biggest growth spurts in my life and my personal growth and my uh, and my spiritual growth have come off of those valleys. Right. And that's exactly what I say about uh, my husband and I. We were both very broken after our divorces. And so we had jagged, broken pieces, like picture a puzzle piece. But because of those broken pieces, because of those j- jagged areas of our life, we now fit perfectly together, he and I. And if those pieces hadn't been broken, we wouldn't fit, you know? It yep. would be like forcing a, a square peg into a round hole, you know? We wouldn't fit together. Yep. But it's because of our brokenness that now we are a perfect fit. And so I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't go back and undo the the pain and the suffering and the anguish. I wouldn't uh, undo it for me. And I wouldn't want it undone for him because I want this life. I want this life that we've rebuilt because to me it's beautiful. Even with the flaws, it's beautiful. Yeah, another paraphrase from, uh, from in the 
in the Alcoholics Anonymous book is that uh, our darkest, uh, what our 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 darkest spots actually sometimes become our greatest assets, and because we yeah. walk through that dark spot and come out the other side of it, uh, then then that actually becomes something that we lean on as one of the best assets we have. You can't help these other, like you know, again, I go circle back to that thing with if you're going to try to help somebody walk a divorce path and you have not been through that, it's almost impossible to help somebody do something you've never done. <laughs> Right, right. I mean, you can try to sympathize, yeah, but you can't empathize, and that's different. Yeah. Very cool. Well, we have gone for a little over an hour now, and I don't mean—I have no reason to stop, but I kind of feel a <laughs> uh, lull. Uh, yeah, I like think this maybe... is a good place. Good, cool. Well, what I want to do first off, I want to thank you for talking to me. And uh, and I, every time I do this, man, I'm just I love to connect today. Uh, there's another guy that says uh, the opposite of addiction is actually connection. It is connecting with other people. Uh, yeah. And 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 I and I love that today because I have a I have a support structure around me today uh, that that rivals. Uh, I, it's not it's unrivaled. It, it's unbelievable. The, the guys and, and, and gals that I have uh, around me today is a result of recovery. And I know that, you know, I wouldn't be sitting here doing it. There's no way in the world I'd be doing a podcast had I not <laughs> got sober. Yeah. Uh, as I told and then here we go. As I told you, I stood in front of a judge who told me I was going to potentially go to jail for 20 years. He used to the sentencing right. guidelines for what I did was six to 20 years. And uh, I didn't spend a day in jail. My story is on my podcast about how that came about. So I'm not going to into that but I know today uh, that, that everything that's good in my life today is a result of that threat that day of potentially going to prison for that and uh, that made me turn the corner I felt like I was backed into a corner I couldn't get out of and I had no choice but to recover from that from 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 that valley and, right. and everything I have in my life today is, is a result of that, uh, is a result of recovery. So people go, how'd you get into meditation? I say, well, I come from recovery. They say, how did I graduated in March from as a 200 hour yoga teacher? How'd you get into yoga? I got into yoga because of recovery. How'd you get into podcasting? I got into, rec- I got into podcasting <laughs> because of recovery. Uh, everything with what I thought was the darkest spot is now my assets that I lean on to uh, carry forward today. And I hear the same kind of thing from you and that it's just cool that we connect up yeah. and, and do this and then and share each other's courtroom, insight i bet that courtroom uh experience didn't feel very beautiful at the time though no it didn't <laughs> uh, i can get really and i just hit them god bumps just hit me all over and then when i talk about it uh and 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 then when I also i sat down and interviewed a gal this past sunday uh that had a similar story and, and she actually got sentenced to 30 years in prison and ended up getting out uh, after nine months and and wow. as she shared her story the same thing happened but I you know what, what I think of when you say that you brought that courtroom thing what I remember is looking over my shoulder seeing my mother crying mm. and uh you know the toughest dudes in the world stay around these rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and and things like that uh, blowing my anonymity a little bit we're not really supposed to do that but I can't really help people without telling them who I am so I, I just I just knew that um Toughest guys in the world stand around and flex their muscles and, and, and say they're not afraid of anything. And then you ask them about their mom. And, uh, <laughs> and nine times out of ten, that's uh, they're not as tough as they were a minute ago. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you. And, uh, and, I, and I always wonder, you know, if things wouldn't um, 
you know, we'll keep it open because uh, you have a wealth of knowledge in this area, and I'm also going to make sure that people got a place to come and talk to you. Do you do this locally, or are you actually are you also available uh, on a, yeah, a wider on net? An, right. So I do have face to face clients, but now with um, teleconferencing, uh-huh. I can have clients really anywhere in cool. the world and. Along with the rebuilding with Brian, I also have my podcast, which is the Happy Mama Village, yeah. which I do with another life coach named uh, Annie Henderson, and that's on iTunes. Well, we will make sure and have links to those things in the notes. Uh, we'll get that. Uh, I think I have access to all that, so I'll make sure that people know where to go to get the help. And that's the other thing. You know, we're both... Uh, ultimately really that's what i'm trying to do here i'm trying to get people that need help access to it love it well thank you very much it's been a pleasure sitting here discussing this stuff today man i've uh, picked up quite a few i put some tools in my box this morning (laughs) thanks this was great for me too because i learned more about the 12-step process and and how maybe i can start applying it to divorce recovery awesome awesome well, thank you very. I always close like this. I say thank you very much for uh, allowing me to participate in my recovery today. Uh, this is Dan with the Spiritual Underground Podcast. Peace out. Yeah.